Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Well, it's uh, looks like it's safe to say that most sentient beings are elsewhere this morning. <laughs> Also, it looks like our, our Tonto, David, is not feeling well, so he has retired. And our wee dog, known as Biggie, is also not feeling well, so he's off at the vet with Cheryl. of us or I anyway. Like a marble dropped on the floor finds its uh, favorite spot over and over again. So here I am. And once again, uh, landed on this ostensible uh, teaching seat on Saturday morning. It's uh, pretty often my experience that during uh, any given week, particularly if I have a talk to give, Uh, I will have some inspiration that crops up that I will take note of, and then that will uh, provide material for the talk. But this week, no inspiration. So, in a sense, uh, it's not, not no inspiration exactly. It's more like same old inspiration. Uh, for instance, Dogen, our our 13th century founder, he's, he's a pretty reliable source of inspiration, I find. And whereas many people seem to find him troublesome and difficult, I find that he regularly yields up treasure. Now, why do I think that that is the case? I think it's because he's not talking about his treasure. He's talking about your treasure. 
what a what a bore to sit around and listen to somebody talk about their own treasure, their own uh, discovery. Then I suppose you could say, and you should try to have a discovery as cool as mine. This is sometimes implied in certain uh, dharma environments. Uh, someone I know who attended a training period in uh, Japan uh, in the famous Hoshinji Monastery, which is up north. Uh, that was the monastery made famous by uh, Harada Dayan Sogaku Roshi, who made a name for himself by complaining bitterly that the Soto school was spiritually bankrupt because they were not prodding people to have a kin show. Ken Cho, as you may know, Ken means to see or witness, and Cho is something like nature, and in that context, usually means genuine nature, or true nature, or awakened nature, or something. For reasons a bit difficult to assess, uh, in order to receive the seal of approval, you had to present your Kensho for validation by someone else. So, okay, well, it turns out that uh, Ken Sho was supposed to be accompanied by, I don't know, uh, substantial psychophysical excitement. And if it wasn't, then you were liable to have your Kensho dismissed as irrelevant. So this um, person I know who went to a training period at Hoshinji, uh, Harada Roshi, um, that Harada Roshi, 
uh, was long dead. But uh, there was another, as it happens, Harada there, unrelated to the first one. But after a session, which is, you know, is a meditation retreat, I guess he was uh, giving a talk and he announced, well, nobody here had Kensho, too bad. And I must say, I thought, how completely discouraging. I also knew someone who I think persuaded that uh, Harada Dayun Roshi was he was must he must have been on to something, decided to pursue the uh Kensho path and spent years years in Japan striving mightily. Only never to receive the stamp. I thought, what a great way to discourage and dismiss someone's dharma effort. Well, obviously, I don't like that approach at all. I love the way that Dogen Zenji is consistently talking about our treasure. And sure, he occasionally prods people a little bit and says, you should examine this relentlessly. Then he says things like, the A great earth the sun, the moon, the stars are all the true body. And he was not talking about just himself. This is a marvel that can fruitfully be studied for one's entire life without exhausting its treasure. And this is why Dogen, over and over, invites us to the peace, the peaceful practice of Zazen. To which it is suggested that we bring nothing. And we take away nothing. 
After all, if the sun, the moon, the great wide earth, all the stars of the heavens are the true body, what could you possibly take away? So whether we uh, feel like admitting it or not, that is the treasure that informs our zazen. And if at some point we can uh, stop arguing, and actually sit in stillness we may notice the body-mind falling away to use Dogen's favorite phrase and our constant scrabbling after making that not be so, as if we could, is exhausting. Then it is as the fallen away body-mind that we take our seat. At some point, you might notice it's kind of like Kensho cracked up on you when you weren't looking. And having noticed that, you realize, oh, I can let that go. So this is a great delight, and it might be a rather quiet delight. In which case, do not fear your encounter with reality is perfectly genuine. And if you have doubts, well, it's okay. You can go and talk to someone else about it. But if you do, don't let them fool you. And they may try. They may say, bah, that is not genuine can show. You can say, Whatever.
and say, the great wide earth, the sun, the moon, and the stars tell me different. So, see you around, Roshi. So if you want to read Dogen, I think you should go right ahead and do so. And just remember, he's, he's talking about your treasure. Mountains rivers, the great wide earth, the sun, the moon, and the stars. This is uh, how we live. And if you think you are uh, not yet at ease here, just remember it's the uh, great master Yan To said and don't you know that what comes in through the front gate is not the family treasure in other words if you're waiting for a spectacular delivery to arrive on your front doorstep it will not be the family treasure I think I'm becoming infamous for short Dharma talks. So be it. Maybe uh, there's a question out there.
Yes. Those Kempshaw uh, auditors or validators that you're mentioning, yeah, did they have a like a regimented checklist, or was it just kind of like they made it up as they went? See if they could stamp your Kempshaw validation. Well, it kind of depends. A variety of uh, trends in there and traditions, but for instance, there's a uh, stream that descends from Harada Roshi that I mentioned, which consists of lay teachers, not monastics, and uh, they made quite an inroad, uh, both in Japan and very much so in the West. And there were quite a number of uh, mostly Western teachers who hearkened back to that particular trend. And then one day, the, uh, the guy who was in charge and who had been uh, validated by a student of Harada Roshi's namely Yasutani Roshi, who was quite well-known, he announced that none of the teachers who were out there could validate anybody's Kensho. And that anyone who expected to have a genuine validation had to go back to Japan and see him. Kind of, kind of odd. <laughs> and a lot of people said nothing. Some very well-established teachers said, are you kidding me? That makes no sense at all. So how they finally resolved it, I'm not sure. But there was quite a dust-up there for a while. So that's just one example. Um, there are people who engaged in the so-called a koan curriculum, which goes back to the, the 18th century in Japan, and consists of, I can't remember, 1,250 koans or something that you have to successfully penetrate, feel part of the expression. So they, they have to finish all their koans, but they, you know, they might have a valid experience well, right at the beginning. But they still, you got to finish all of those koans. So there's a variety of traditions, but mostly they all insist that they go back to Shakyamuni Buddha. And it is his kensho that is being passed to the fortunate few. So take that as you like. We have a question out in the ether here. John? Hi. Uh, yeah, uh, well, you know, like uh, I have the, um, the Dokusan experience from the Korean tradition, and they really are, they're going for that, I think. They're going and for that. Yeah, and there's kind of a recipe. I mean, there's things to memorize in terms of like an, so, like one of the things that's I think at odds with our Soto way is uh, Sunim. He would say uh, your experience that I want you to bring here has four characteristics: it's intimate, immediate, spontaneous, and obvious. 
And I think that in our Soto way, we don't like obvious. We like subtle. And in terms of spontaneity, Dogen says we don't want spontaneity. We want affinity. Uh, that spontaneity is a myth. What do you think about that, may I ask? Well, um, I suppose that works for some people. And I'm not sure I would agree that um, we're suspicious of spontaneity. Um, and what was the last one? Obvious. Oh, uh, and obvious does not necessarily mean crude. So it could be both obvious and subtle, at least as far as I'm concerned. So uh, you called it, I think, correctly, a formula. And if you want to formulate that experience, well, okay. And as I say, maybe that works for some people. And it most certainly will not work for everyone. I don't want to, but I, it's in my Kechimiyaku as an imperative. I think that it says, I must humbly understand that the single cause condition gate out of the Rinzai tradition is the same as ours. Yes, but what is that? I don't know, but I thought I'd better go take a look away to the other side, you know. <laughs> it says that single great cause and condition is the precept gate of the Buddhas. That's what it says. Not, you got to have such and such an experience. It is the precept gate. That is the single cause and condition. Have a look at your Kechimyaku. Okay. Excuse me. Look at the colophon. And that's what it says. Hi. Okay. Go on that side. Uh, I'm just wondering, um, are these traditions competing? Uh, <laughs> good question. Um, I mean, like, historically? You know, depends how you would judge competition. Uh, to compete to the spiritual domination in Japanese society, yeah. or it's just, they have to be on top because of the society enforce them to do so. You know, we gotta understand that's very different yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. It's like we can't look at it from today. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, there is a, 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 a evidently a not very accurate tradition, or at least there was, that one of our ancestors, namely Tiantong Hongzhur, and um, uh, this uh, Rinzai teacher, Dawei Tsongkhao, were at loggerheads about exactly this sort of thing. And yet, closely examined, that appears not to have been the case. And that uh, Dawei was drawing attention to a conceivable pitfall of our practice. And um, his friend, actually, he was friends with, with Hongzhou. And uh, Hongzhou and others drew attention to the pitfall of uh, becoming entangled in literary formulations on the other side. It's also remember, worth remembering, as I pointed out, that Dawei didn't teach his monastics that way. He only taught so-called koan introspection to uh, 
uh, the literati types and ministers who would come to him and say, I want to study Zen. And he would tell them, okay, here's your, here's your story. Figure that one out. But he did not teach his monastics that way. So what exactly was going on? I don't know. But you can bet some of it was competition for Dharma dollars and support for monastic communities and others. Which you can view with modern eyes because the business needs money or the organization needs money. Yeah, all organizations need money. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, I think, did you have a, a question, Patrick? Uh, yeah, I was going to, um, a friend of mine dabbles in different uh, forms of Buddhism, yes. old variety, was telling me he was uh, taking a class with one of the, not Zen Buddhism, another one of the groups, and they were learning how to enter the jhanas. Mm -hmm. And I thought, um, gee, I, I didn't know you could teach somebody a formula uh, that you could enter the jhanas. And you said, Try. Well, in this tradition, yes. uh, that's their view. I said, oh, I, I thought that was interesting. And then um, it's and related to that, uh, and then I'll bring Dogen in. Uh, <laughs> you know, it sounds like the Zen tradition is to not affirm whether somebody or not has the experience of Kenjo or awakening, uh, the way some formal way, you know, and it seems like you were talking about that. If you have the experience, uh, you shouldn't have to go to somebody else to get it validated. Well, you won't. Yeah, you know, you've had the experience, you have that experience, you don't need somebody else to tell you that, so there is no need for validation. It seems like that is what you were saying, Zen tradition is. And then uh, I, I bring it Dogen because I think I read a number of years ago. It's one of his later fascicles where he was, uh, I guess, maybe talking to some of his students about not confusing the jhanas with awakening. <laughs> there might have been some confusion uh, in one of it. And I was wondering if I, my understanding of the Zen notion of uh, Kendra is correct and also uh, if you have any recollections about what Dogen was teaching, not to confuse the uh, yeah, yeah. Kenjo uh, mm -hmm. with uh, the jhanas. Yes. Um, uh, well, uh, there are some folks, uh, including Dogen, who insist on the necessity of a uh, an unbroken tradition from teacher to student. And some include a Kensho validation as part of that, and some don't. So, in Soto Zen also, we say, we go back to Shakyamuni Buddha. We say that too. And yet, we do it a little differently. Okay. It does not depend necessarily on an experience that looks like that. It might look like that. And if so, what a shame to rule that out. That would be too bad. Anyway, uh, one of Dogen's uh, essays is called A Monk in the Fourth Stage of Meditation, or Shizen Bhikkhu. And uh, in that essay, he talks about this. And he says, there are some who have mistaken uh, arriving at the in the fourth stage of meditation, the fourth jhana, for awakening. And that is not correct. So that's his point of view. Um, 
and it is true that this or that meditative experience is not the same as awakening. So whether or not people today are able to pursue the same meditative curriculum as was the case 2,000 years ago, personally, I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily true. And if you study the, um, well, there are kind of manuals of meditation for, for teachers. And if you study them, uh, you see that they're full of all kinds of peculiar things. Uh, for instance, um, if someone validly has attained, I forget, I don't know if it's the second jhana or something, they will eventually have the experience of ants crawling all over their body. <laughs> oh, that's very odd. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff like that. Sort of a checklist. It's like, well, if it's valid, it'll look like such and such. And it's like, yeah, I kind of don't think that that's right myself. But whatever, if that works for such and such people, that's great. But my concern is that we not be fooled. That's all. That's the main main thing. Don't be fooled. Showing up the process of validation can be dangerous too, because I've been enlightened. I had the experience. Yeah. Well, in America, that might work. Yeah. You know, you could be a millionaire yeah. inside of two months. Yeah. Well, maybe we're confused with awakening to enlightenment. Are there the distinctive two different words in well, Japanese and Chinese? Again, it depends who you ask. Well, because I was listening to this, uh, the person that talks recently, and they have a problem with word awakening now. Oh, they do? Yeah. Oh. So now they're back to enlightenment. Oh. Okay. Because now awakening is now gotten cheapened. Oh. Like awakening to whatever. I see. So it's gotten mixed up with mindfulness. Oh. So then people's confused with different experiences of different traditions. Yeah. They yeah. feel temporarily good or have awakening experience. And then they get on the trip, like, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't know. For me, feeling good is always temporary, but okay. Um, yeah, well, in in Zen, we do have that ex that expression, Kensho, to see nature. It means to see our actual nature. And that's, that's our equivalent for awakening or enlightenment. And, uh, you know, if you read Dogen, you, you, you see his point of view. Like word is used in Kensho, which is enlightenment. That means see nature. I mean, seeing your actual nature as human being, and as as sentient being, which means also as a Buddha. So we may not solve this today, but uh, did you have a? I don't think we have as many as human beings. These people have a huge issue with sort of economic, political, social status, success, and, uh, you know, profound or fundamental joy or, or spiritual understanding. Mm. And I think those two, it's just, I mean, it may be it's the human condition that they 
those that is going to go together that that having to work that out because they have to eat and you have to have some status in society and uh and i think people will will go in ways i mean did harada roshi really you know make a cynical decision say i'm going to now arrogate all the power back to myself or was he thinking oh, no. yeah i really am uh, that was yamada roshi yamada, yamada. Sorry. yes sorry. right yamada. yeah well that's how it looked it's like it, what it was like, he what was right. he? I think it, it probably didn't look to, to him it looked like well of course you know this would be better for everyone because things look good to you that advance your own you know status and 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 so it's a I think it's a, it's it's tricky I don't know how many you know David Brooks wrote a column uh about a week ago uh which was very troubled because he had always believed that a um you know uh artificial intelligence couldn't uh couldn't come close to to human consciousness. Know, ability of consciousness yeah and and he was supported this belief by Douglas Hofstadter who said, said the same thing of all people yeah of all people right mm -hmm. because he was a great expert you know you guys who were my age could probably bought a copy of you know good lecture good Bob, lesson Bob. sat yeah. on your shelf after you realized it was harder than you thought <laughs> so, but but since he had uh and and then he had read somewhere that Douglas Hofstadter had had raised a concern recently and so he called them because they're in favorite books that's what you call Douglas Hofstadter mm -hmm. And Hofstadter said, oh, yeah, the, 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 the chatbots now have such a large base to draw on. And they're so much faster and, and more sophisticated than anything I could do that I no longer think about that before. And, you know, David Brooks was devastated. And he left it as a challenge to the reader at the end. I'm saying, is there anything left? Can you think of anything that will be left in our lives where a human being, you know, the intrinsic value of a human being will still rise above that of, of a chatbot mm -hmm. I thought I'm so sorry this is a problem for it <laughs> but this is a problem for it because you've made a living and your staffs all these years have been in a certain form of intellectual exercise mm -hmm. that you're no longer the best at you uh, thought is what set you apart from whatever you wanted to be set apart from Japan. most interesting well personally I, I doubt that machinery will ever manifest actual consciousness myself it may manifest something that looks like it but otherwise no so personally i'm not bothered by that but i would like to read that column yeah doesn't you okay well there's always cookies and tea and uh in the meantime um just remember mountains rivers the great wide earth the sun moon and stars your true body thank you very much this podcast was recorded at hartford street zen center isanji in san francisco please help support our temple by making a donation at hscc dot org